everyone. Welcome back into a fabulous new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper, a holiday edition of the show, if you will. We have some amazing guests, including one returning fantastic performer on our show today. Joining us, we have the actor Sean Amato, the actor, director, and adapter Jeff Sanzel, the actress Julia Albino, the actor Stephen Uline, the actress Cassidy Rose O'Brien, and the stage manager Melissa Troxler. All of these amazing artists are part of Theater 3's presentation of A Christmas Carol. It's playing November 11th through December 30th at Theater 3, which is in Port Jefferson, Long Island. Tickets and more information can be found at theater3.com. And we're so excited to be bringing you this traditional holiday experience on our show via these amazing artists. So let's go ahead and welcome them on our show. Sean, Jeff, Julia, Stephen, Melissa, and Cassidy, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited to have a full house today and to be speaking about one of my favorite stories, A Christmas Carol. And I would like to start things off with Jeff, if I may, you are the director, adapter, on top of performing the title role, Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. You, in case anyone out there is not familiar with the story, can you tell us a bit about the story and about your particular production? Well, it's uh, Charles Dickens wrote it in 1843, and it's the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, the miser, and how he is reformed through the auspice of his dead partner, Jacob Marley, and the ghost of of Christmas is past, present, and future. And it's him really looking at his life first, his past, you know, his upbringing and the effect of those things, the present, the people in his life that he's rejecting, his nephew Fred, which Sean plays, and Bob Cratchit, his employee. And then of course, the repercussions of his life, what his ripple is when they explore the future. So that's that's really the arc of the the story. I love that. Now, as I mentioned, you are an adapter of this of this particular story. So, how did you come up with the idea of this particular adaptation of a Christmas Carol? Well, I've been adapting and readapting the story since 1988, which was the first production I ever did. The year before I came to Theater Three, I had done a short adaptation for a school I was teaching in, a student faculty production. Then I came here and worked with somebody who had done adaptations here, very traditional, very much narrative taken from the book. And then I began exploring it over the next three decades and mining it for its different angles. So the production that we put up now is really the result of over 30 years of work. We have certain things that separate our production from any other productions. We focus on the specter of want in our production. That's an image that follows Scrooge throughout the entire play embodied by a homeless girl. The other thing we do that some adaptations do is we flesh out Scrooge's entire history. We don't just see him in those few moments in the past. We actually show his time with the school matron, and then we show his entire apprenticeship at Fezziwigs, his engagement to Bell, his taking over the business with Marley, building up to the end of his engagement and what happens beyond. 
So we've enriched Scrooge's past. We've gone beyond the Dickens text, but I think what we've done is sourced in there. I think we've shown enormous respect for Dickens' brilliance by, you know, not departing too much from what we feel is his intention. Obviously, we can't ask him, so we're just going to assume that we're on the right path. And every year we make changes. That's very cool. Well, Melissa, you are our stage manager, and I love the fact that we have someone behind the scenes joining us today. I would like to know, what has it been like developing this particular iteration of A Christmas Carol? So this exact adaptation was actually formed before I started working with Theater 3. Of course, there are changes every year, and we have people who come back every year as part of their holiday tradition to see it. So it felt like I was joining a family, not just of my coworkers, but a larger tradition amongst the Long Island and even sometimes farther reaching community. I mean, it's just been great, you know, winding our way through and finding each intention each year. And I am honored to be part of the support staff to be able to help each actor, as we like to say at Theater 3, tell the story and really get the message out there. That's fantastic. I want to bring some of our cast in now, and I want to start with Cassidy. Cassidy, for you as an actress, what has it been like developing this piece? So this has been a really interesting process to go through because this is my first year with the production, but it's been around for so long, and it's such a big tradition for, for all of Long Island, and it's such an honor to be a part of it. So it's really interesting getting to find my own spin on the characters that I play and you know, taking inspiration from things that I've seen in the past, but finding the nuances that are in the work has been very interesting. Very cool. Steven, you are playing the titular role of Jacob Marley, of course, Ebenezer's partner who passes and then of course pays him a visit. What has it been like developing that role in the show? So this is my second time actually playing Jacob Marley in the show. Uh, the last time I played it was in 2016. So many years later, you know, with different life experiences, it's been fun to come back to a part I did many years ago and just try new things, approach it from a different idea. You know, Jeff's a great director in the sense that he always gives us kind of a baseline to follow and then he lets us experiment. And, you know, through collaboration, we always find the right way for that particular show or year. So it, it's been great to just kind of play around and experiment with things and 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 find new things as well. So it, it's exciting to come back to something. It's been a few years, so it's exciting to come back to a part. That's very awesome. Love that. I want to bring in a recognizable voice now who we had on our show recently. And of course, that is Sean Amato. Sean, what, what is the message or the thought you're hoping the audiences take away from this year's A Christmas Carol? Well, speaking from the point of view of Fred Hollowell, I believe that a message that I want to drive home to everyone is we all are faced with choices, right? And we all take strength from different places. You know, Fred Hollowell has every reason to turn out just like Scrooge, you know, his mother died in childbirth. His relative, in this case being his uncle, rejected him as Scrooge's father rejected him. And he has every reason to grow up to be just like Scrooge. You know, he begins making money, he, you know, gets older and has, and has a romance. And rather than focusing in on his work and 
blaming the world for, you know, his troubles, he shows love and compassion. You know, he embraces his wife. He spends his money and lives a little bit above his means to live comfortably and, and to donate and bring happiness to the world. I believe that's something that we can all take away from him is that when faced with these challenges, instead of giving into the bitterness and giving into the, the depressing sides of it, you can choose to love and that love is what will give you strength. It's a wonderful message or thought. I want to ask our director as well, Jeff, as the director, what is the message or thought you're hoping audience take away from your adaptation? Well, we've put so much energy into the want character and that's in many ways the final image and that is that we're responsible for the people in our lives, uh, you know, in the the microcosm, the people in our day to day lives, but in the macrocosm, the greater world. And that's what Scrooge has to embrace. It's not just helping the Cratchit family, it's helping all families. That's uh, represented by the seekers of mercy who come in to the county house in the beginning looking for donations. And we actually see them again in our production, actually out on the street in a scene we call bundles where they're giving bundles to the poor where they're actively doing not just collecting and i think that's the driving force in our production is that yes it's important to give money but you have to be involved and you have to go beyond the narrow confines of your life that yes you must save the tiny tims in your life but you must look beyond that it's very fascinating. I love it. I'd like to bring in our final voice joining us today. And of course, that's Julia. Julia, this is a tradition out on Long Island. It's been happening for years. I'm curious how long you've been working on this project. So unlike some other people that spoke today, I have joined this project pretty early on. I mean, pretty late on. I, I back in September to be a part of this and then we started rehearsals in about late September and really kicked it into gear in October so I've had to work you know really closely with everyone and being brought into something that has been so long-standing it's a little intimidating but this group is really like a family and they really bring you in with open arms and they really like Jeff really knows his stuff so it's not intimidating when you're able to talk with somebody who's so knowledgeable about the piece. That is stupendous. I love that. I love that you mentioned that it's like a family because that leads into my next question, which I want to direct at Stephen. Stephen, you mentioned that you had previously done this show back in 2016. And so you've been around with this project for a while, I'll say. What has the reception been of this piece, especially with the fact that you're all putting a different twist on it? So when we call it a Long Island family tradition, it's not just like a tagline. It, it really is a Long Island family tradition. We have people who come see the show every year. We've watched people grow up through the show. You know, Jeff tells stories of how he's met young people who now have kids of their own who are brought and their kids now have their own kids who are bringing them to the show. Show's been a Long Island staple for 30 years. We're, we're actually in our 38th production of it this year. And it's just, People call it the start of their holiday season. You know, it's so wonderful to see so many people from Long Island come to the show, gush over the show every year because they just, it gives, puts them in the holiday spirit. And it, it's, 
it's just a great feeling to be a part of that and to help a family and so many people start their holiday season or help just celebrate their holiday season just by coming to see the show that we we have the honor of putting on. That is a wonderful answer. I love that. Love that. I have one last question for this first part, and I want to direct it to one of our actors and our stage manager. So, Melissa, I want to start with you on this. Who do you hope have access to this production? It's going to sound cliche, but I mean, following along the tradition of Christmas Carol, we try to, you know, accept everyone, include everyone, the tiny Tims, the wants in our lives, the greater community that needs our help accepting our responsibility. I hope that everyone can take on this message. I mean, we love to, we do this because we love to perform. We love to bring the arts into our community and spread these messages that the plays allow us to with our wonderful playwrights and directors and actors, everyone involved. And I think, I mean, I would love to just have everyone who can get into the theater, enjoy our piece in the year of COVID, because we couldn't physically perform for anyone. We actually took it upon ourselves to post a virtual version where we filmed in the theater a carol for this Christmas. And I think that really even sinks into our message of we want to get this story out there to anyone and everyone, however we can, by whatever means necessary. <laughs> that is wonderful. Oh, I love that. Sean, I want you to bring us home on this first part with that same question. Who do you hope have access to the show? I hope that every single family on this island could come see the show. Like if, if I could make it a rule that if you live on Long Island, part of your being on the island is that you have to come see the show, I would because, you know, you like that one, don't you? Because I just feel like in today in today's world, there there's so many families out there that have internal drama, internal feuds. This uncle can't sit next to this aunt because of some drama that happened 10 years ago, you know, or they won't come to your house anymore because of X, Y, and Z. I, I just wish that all those families that are having those moments and going through those times to come see this show and watch, you know, Scrooge's arc and finally accepting his nephew and, you know, what it meant to Fred when his uncle finally accepted him. I think that seeing that and seeing you know that you can heal and seeing that whatever drama is between you and whatever hurt is between the two of you there is a way to move past that i think it's something that every family should know and to know that their family is important to them while they have them there i just think anyone, everyone needs to see that second part of our interview i would like to let our listeners get to know all of you a little bit better pull the curtain back if you will and i want to start with our two actresses joining us cassidy and julia i would love to ask you what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites and cassidy can i start with you first on that yeah of course so I am really inspired. I'm 
as well as being an actress, I'm also a dancer and a singer. And I'm really inspired by like jazz musicals, big band, that kind of stuff. So this is kind of a departure from that, but love a good, good tap number, <laughs> that kind of the joyous feeling that those kind of things bring to the stage that really is my inspiration. And the reason that I do this is because of the joy that I get out of it. And I, I think those kinds of shows really encapsulate encapsulate that message. And yeah. That's a wonderful, I love that. Fabulous. Julia, how about you? What are who inspires you? So the who I, throwing you on the spot there, but the what I mean, doing theater and being able to see people enjoy the magic up close and personal and being able to see these things happen live in front of your eyes just motivates me to keep doing it. And it keeps me active into the theater because it's something that you can't experience anywhere else, being so present in the moment and being with an audience member. That is a wonderful answer as well. I really appreciate that. I want to ask all of you this next question. And I know you've all been busy getting ready. The show's opening soon. But by any chance, have any of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I saw Sweeney Todd two weeks ago, the Broadway production, and it's it's glorious. Somebody said, do we really need another revival of Sweeney Todd? My answer is always yes, we do. And I've seen the major productions except the original, which I saw the California taping of, but I saw the the York Circle production. I saw the Broadway with Patti LuPone, and I saw this one. And I've directed it. I've seen regional productions, community theater productions. This is an absolutely beautiful, brilliant production that honors the original, but has a lot of different takes on things. It's beautifully sung. It's a 30-piece orchestra with the original Jonathan Tunick orchestrations. Absolutely fabulous. And I do want to mention something that I did see. It closed last week, but that was the White Plains Performing Arts Center production of In the Heights, which was beautiful. I had never seen it on stage. And it was just, it, it, it's in my top 10 musicals now. I was so moved by it. It's such a joyous, joyous celebration of musical theater, community, and culture. So those two things I've seen just in the last couple of weeks. So I do recommend Sweeney Todd very much. Wonderful recommendation. This past summer, I got a chance to go see Kimberly Akimbo, which was another beautiful, beautiful show. It's few shows can strike the balance between humor and a moving piece and just be so heartfelt all around. I mean, if you get, if you're in New York and get a chance, please go see Kimberly Akimbo. It's, it's the one show I've seen over the last few months that I can't, I can't recommend enough. Oh, say it again for the people in the back. I'm with you there. It's, it's one of our creators picks here. It's so good. So thank you for mentioning that. So I actually was going to highly recommend Kimberly Kimbo. <laughs> I mean, in addition to what Steven said, it is a wonderful glimpse into humanity and what it means to have community and be loyal and family and dedication to every aspect of your life. And it, it's just one of those stories that reminds us that even though, of course, we're all different in all of these different ways, sometimes more extreme than others through circumstances, sometimes within our control, sometimes beyond our control, we all have this common shared experience of humanity that 
we need to focus on the bonds in the community more than what separates us. Wonderful. Yes. I want to chime in on Kimberly Akimbo because I saw it twice and I saw the original production of it. Oh God, 10, 15 years ago, the non-musical and I thought it was okay. I didn't love it. The musical actually elevated the script. The musical was actually superior to the non-musical, which is very unusual. I just wanted to throw that in there. Okay. I love that. So I haven't been able to see any musicals lately, but I have been on a kick of re-listening to the cast recordings of musicals that I like have been in love with for a really long time. And I was recently reminded of the magic that not to sound like a record, broken record, but that is Bandstand the musical. Mm -hmm. It's just such a heartwarming, moving piece. And the dancing is just incredible. There's a pro shot out there somewhere, I think on like Broadway Direct or something like that, that I would highly recommend anyone who's into that kind of thing to watch because it's just such a gorgeous production that they were able to capture. That music and that story is absolutely incredible. Oh my gosh. It's right up there in my top 10 list. So wonderful, wonderful. I unfortunately do not have the time to stop and see anything lately, but I did get to reading, I've been on a kick of reading a lot of stuff by Ken, uh, Kenneth Lonergan. So I was reading This Is Our Youth. I haven't gotten through, I've gotten through most of Act One, but it's actually, I forgot how dramatic and, you know, he's, he's actually a wonderful writer and I'm intrigued to keep on reading and seeing more of his library. Yes, great, great writer there. Good title. This is a bit of a turn away from the city, but I recently saw a production of Young Frankenstein at CM Performing Arts Center. Had a bunch of friends in the show. Everyone looked like they were having a great time. The music was wonderful. The jokes were funny, if you love that sort of humor. And it was just an all-around great time and a wonderful place to be. I love that. Great suggestions all around. I've, I know my calendar is going to refill up again now. We've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and I'm so excited to hear all of yours, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? I can say mine. This goes back to college. You know, there was a point in college I was very frustrated with a lot of, you know, technique work and a lot of things I was learning. You know, I was trying my best to keep up with everything. And we had auditions for my college's show, which was Annie Get Your Gun. And... I remember going into it, I was very nervous. You know, I was a sophomore, so I, was a I wasn't a freshman anymore, but there was still a lot of upperclassmen that, you know, had their reign of roles and whatever. And I was nervous for the, there was a quartet audition. There was a, a quartet that comes through the, the show a couple times. And I remember at first being very nervous, trying to remember my part, joining everyone, but then it just very quickly turned into just four people singing. And, the, you know, we kept doing different combinations and different people cycling through the voice parts. And, you know, you, you, you were practicing with one group and then all of a sudden you're laughing about something and then it moved to another one. And they're like, what were you laughing about? Oh, we we're just talking about this. And they think it's funny. And all of a sudden, it's just a group of people just singing and having a good time and joking around. And that I almost forgot I was at an audition, you know, so that, that was one of my most fondest memories of the theater. I love that. That is wonderful. A great memory there. I actually have to say, I can't pin it down to one specific moment, but I can just basically say when we did the entire production of The Fantastics at Theater 3, it was our first show coming out of COVID. We were all treading the waters and figuring it out together. 
I mean, a show that's already about how the naive children who think they understand how the world works all of a sudden are throwing curveballs their way and how they deal with them, how they handle them and how they grow and then return to each other. And it was just an amazing story of homecoming in a time that we were all finding our way home to the theater again and coming back together in person. And even then down to the ridiculous nature of, I remember a day I was splayed out in the dressing room just off the stage. The show has three different kinds of confetti. And I was reading these old, you know, handwritten manuscript books from some of the original or, you know, very early on productions of the Fantastics when it was first closer to when it was first written, talking about how they had found the perfect size of confetti. And I was sitting with all these different tissue paper colors with a paper cutter, cutting all the confetti I could manage to cut in the time I had and making sure that it was to the specifications of these, you know, people who did the work and found it so early on. It was just a wonderful experience. That's so wonderful. I love that. Another great memory. Boy, we're on a roll here. This is great. So... My memory that I'm pulling from is actually from high school. I We were doing a production of Smile, and I worked, one of my jobs was to work especially with the special education department. And we actually held a ensemble audition for all the girls, and we invited the special education department to come down to these auditions. And I was able to stand on stage and teach these girls dance combinations and choreo, and to see these girls' faces light up and to have them be a part of something bigger. They were so in love with the show and in love with theater. It just makes you want to keep doing it. And it just shows that theater speaks to everyone and speaks to all walks of life. And, you know, you it's loved by all. So that's one of my greatest memories that I hold dear. That is incredible. I love that. Oh, my heart is full. I'll go ahead. I have so many memories that I just adore from doing theater, but I would say... One of my favorite show experience memories would be when we were doing the Mar a show called The Marvelous Wonderettes here at Theater 3. It's a four-person musical about these four best friends that are the act at their high school prom as a last-minute replacement, and then again at their 10-year reunion. And I got to play Betty Jean, and it was the most ridiculous time that I've ever had on stage. She's just so fun and full of life. I got to play the harmonica on stage and hula hoop and just do all these crazy, ridiculous things and be the funniest version of myself. And it gave me so much confidence in myself as a performer and a musician, showing that I, myself that I could hold all of these really tight harmonies and do the comedy side of things that I didn't really get to do in other productions that I had done before. And yeah, it was just a really great time. That sounds like so much fun. I love that. I don't never know how to answer that question. I mean, I've been doing this almost 50 years and there've been shows that were wonderful that I directed and there were shows that I've produced and been in. And theater is just kind of that, you know, it's this mosaic of memories. It's, you know, it's it's funny. Melissa brings up the confetti. And I think of theater as like confetti of memory, you know? It's all these bits and pieces. I think about things I've done in the last year and things I did 40 years ago. You know, next to directing next to normal was a highlight. But then I thought about directing the boys next door back in the early 90s 
which was, you know, a milestone and all the shows in between, you know, I've done 35 Christmas carols, you know, and there've been great moments in there. And then there've been a lot of, you know, moments that were memorable because they were not so nice. They were not so good. And then there, every memory has the attachment of the things that are past and people are no longer with us. Things that we've lost, people we've said goodbye to that are deeply connected. I mean, I've been doing Christmas Carol, as I said, a long time. And there are people who started out on this journey with me over three decades ago who are no longer with us. And so what makes theater amazing is it wraps all of that up. So I don't have any specific memory because I have so many memories. That is a beautiful answer, though. I love that. I absolutely adore that. And Stephen, bringing us home, what is your favorite theater memory? For me, it, it's one of the things that I, I like to think about the most is actually a moment that I had as an audience member. A few years ago, I got the chance to go see a musical version of As You Like, As you like It at the Public Works, the Public Theater, rather. And there are a few times where you go, you see a show and it's just, you get overwhelmed with this, just this joyous feeling. And as a performer, I go and I see a show and I enjoy it so much and it affects me so much that I'm reminded of, this is the reason I do theater. It's for productions like this. It's for, to hope that I get to be in a show that gives somebody else the same feeling that I'm doing, I have right now from this show. It was just a beautiful, beautiful production and the music in it was absolutely gorgeous. And if I, if I can give one other person in the world, the feeling that I had in that moment with something that I do, it's worth it. That is brilliant. I love that. I love all of these memories. So thank you all so much for sharing those with us. Jeff, I want to ask you, kind of on behalf of the group, are there any other projects or productions that you or Theater 3 have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Oh, yeah. Well, we operate all year round. So already in rehearsal is the gin game, which opens in January. We're going to be holding auditions next week for Tick, Tick, Boom, and the week after that for Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. That takes us through the beginning of May, and then we'll have the producers in May, June. So we, we do six main stage shows a year. We do nine children's shows. We have a concert series in the summer. We have an improv troupe. We have a one-act festival of world premieres on our second stage which is February, March. So we always have a lot of things going on. So theater3.com, you go there and you see everything, you know, there's always something to come see here every weekend. That is amazing. I am so excited about now knowing more about Theater 3. This sounds incredible. That's just a short train ride from the city too. So that's easy. And it leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about A Christmas Carol or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? Yes. So the easiest place to get any information about Theater 3 is, of course, our website, theater3.com. But if we're always posting on social media as well, we have our own page on Facebook. So you can go like the page there so you can start getting updates from there. You can also follow our Instagram at Theater 3 Productions. And it's 
that's really the best way to stay informed with what's going on. We have, you know, updates on social media every day through that. The website also lists our phone number, of course, so you can call the box office direct if the website's not really your thing. And as Jeff said, we have things going on year round. You know, tickets are on sale for every performance of this season. Christmas Carol, Gin Game, Tick, Tick, Boom, Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express through producers. And, you know, stay tuned because early next year we start announcing the following season. And then shortly after that, we have our concert series stuff going around year round at Theater 3. I love all of that. That is fabulous. Great, great information there. Well, Sean, Jeff, Julia, Stephen, Melissa, Cassidy, thank you all so much for taking time today to speak with us and share with us this incredible Long Island tradition that you're all carrying on and putting on. This has been absolutely wonderful. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. My guests today have been the actor Sean Amato, the actor-director-adapter Jeff Sanzel, the actress Julia Albino, actor Stephen Uline, the stage manager Melissa Troxler, and the actress Cassidy Rose O'Brien. All of these wonderful people are part of Theater 3's presentation of A Christmas Carol, playing November 11th through December 30th at Theater 3 in Port Jefferson, Long Island, Tickets and more information can be found at theater3.com. And make sure to also check out that website for more information about the company and their upcoming productions. And follow them on social media at Theater 3 Productions. This is a wonderful holiday tradition, especially for all of you out there on Long Island. All of us here in the city, let's hop on the LIRR and head out to Port Jefferson to catch A Christmas Carol, playing November 11th through December 30th. So until next time. I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.